0: What's going on? This is Bad Ideas with Dan Martyr. I am your host, Dan Martyr, and we are here today uh, for episode one, episode one part two. Really, we tried recording this uh, a few weeks ago, but you know, I uh, I don't really know what I'm doing. So, luckily, our guest today, Ross Shotland of Enjoy the Ride Records, has been a, a real team player. And jumped on twice to do you know basically the same interview. Um so I won't waste more time. Let's just get right into it. Yo Ross. What up? Yo. What up? What up, dude? I (laughs) don't know. Uh trying to test this out, you know, version two, one point two, whatever. Uh I got logic running in the background. I got a microphone hooked up straight to a fucking speaker off the the cell phone and it's rolling. I see the audio waves happening, so at least I know something is being recorded, but <laughs> I feel like a dickhead. I'm so sorry. It's golden. Like, I kinda had a feeling that
1: would happen first time you do anything, shit gets fucked up, it's how it goes.
0: Alright man, so thank you for jumping on again again, I think I kind of uh touch on it before, but I think, you know, this is episode 1.2 at this point, uh, <laughs> doing things a little differently, even though we had some technical difficulties the first time. Ross, hello, how are ya? Pretty good, man. Thank <laughs> you, sir. How you holding up? I know this uh, this uh COVID shit is tying t- people down.
1: Yeah, I'm um, doing alright, I guess, considering uh, it's, been, it's been a struggle, to say the least, both Whatever, personally and business wise, but whatever, we'll get through it. I guess it
0: is what it is. Uh, so can you give us a for anyone who isn't really familiar with "Enjoy the Ride"? I mean, I've known you for at least shit since before before I even started in the clouds. I got to get to know you um, through like some of the old drive through records uh, represses you did, and I think we kind of started talking just because I was doing local bands that you were kind of like familiar with, also. But uh, for anyone who is not familiar, can you just give us a little background on Enjoy the Rides, how you started, and why you're fucking doing this? <laughs> sure.
1: Um, at this point, um, we've been in business ten years. This is the ten year anniversary, which is very crazy to kind of think about. Um, I don't know. When I started doing this, like I've, as as we'll get to, I guess we're doing vinyl reissues. Um, so, like when we first started doing this, it was ten year anniversaries of the stuff I went. To, I grew up listening to in high school and early college and whatever all the drive through stuff and now i'm at 10 years of my first release which was harvard which is fucking crazy and crazy to think about that <laughs> i been able to pull this off for this long but uh
0: that's like yeah. that's really the reason i wanted to like have the first episode with you is because i feel like you're the only other person that's crazy enough to be doing this as long <laughs> and uh it's you know you're constantly putting out good stuff and it, it's you know the whole purpose of this podcast is really just like everything I do, I think is a bad idea. So like I, this podcast is bad. It, this is the second time we had to do the same fucking episode. Obviously I'm not doing it right, <laughs> but ev- everything is uh, a bad idea. And like, I, I constantly ask myself like, why the fuck am I going through with this? So you being the only other guy I know that's been in the game, like before it even was a game, like there's a passion there, but like they there's got to be something driving you to uh, figure out why we're doing this even though it is a bad idea
1: (laughs) sure thanks dude (laughs) I love my business being called a bad idea (laughs) but uh uh, yeah so like um I always wanted to uh well even before I got really into music I was always into just like the business side of entertainment like when I was really into like sports and stuff um like in elementary school and whatever like I was really into basketball and I was always interested in like the gm which is essentially you know like the a and r for the music comparative job essentially just like the guy behind the scenes who put together the team and um i don't know for some reason i was always kind of drawn to that side of things and then i got really into music and independent music drive through particularly and the whole independent scene vagrant drive through, and equal vision and that whole stuff um in high school and uh that was when i kind of decided i wanted to try to pursue music and um at the time Drive through you know, was a like a family ran quote unquote independent label where like all the bands kinda had a similar kind of feel and kinda kinda similar um I guess aesthetic and the way they whatever the whole lifestyle I guess. Well I mean you're um, you're from
0: Long Island, right? So like you had that East Coast kind of vibe too. I think like right. Drive Through. Yeah. I yeah.
1: I think that was a lot of it also. I grew up on Nassau County um, same town as uh, a couple members of Brand New and Glassjaw. So, like, I was right in the middle of everything as it was kind of happening. Um, I graduated uh, high school in '03, So that was literally right the year after Take uh, Tell Your Friends came out and Your Favorite Weapon and they started getting big nationally. And that was right in the middle of everything. And that kind of, I guess, fueled my passion also that, like, seeing people locally, not that I knew them. They were only, whatever, like, three, four or five years older than me, depending on the bands. Um, so yeah, that I think kind of fueled me also, that it definitely is doable to some degree. Um, and yeah, and then I I went to college, uh, as University of Buffalo, and I created my own major, um, for music business, which honestly didn't really help that much overall, but whatever, at least.
0: Wait, created your own, your own major, was that not something they offered there, or was it something like you just like were so passionate about, they gave you a degree. right
1: yeah so so i went to university of buffalo um i got i got um whatever um,
0: bachelor's or something
1: no i got uh uh not inducted what the fuck's the word uh get into the school whatever um except I, <laughs> I, I got into the business school um yeah. and my parents were hoping i would you know uh i guess get out of this music phase
0: and Get into just whatever normal business. Like yeah, the job. yeah, yeah, Dude, Same here, same here. Yeah, exactly.
1: So basically, after two years, um, I had to declare a major, basically, and then I i found out there's an option to quote unquote make your own major, which basically would take classes, specified classes at other schools um, that have those specified classes, and then take the general business classes at Buffalo, which is what I did, and I took a bunch of music business classes at like Berkeley online and NYU over the summer. I took some classes. Um, so yeah, uh, I definitely put in the work. Um, although I graduated college in 2007, which was like right before the economy crashed and literally right when the music industry was going to shit and the height of of illegal downloading and all that. (laughs) So, um, although I definitely think, Um, school helped me get where I am, and obviously timeline-wise, the final thing wouldn't have happened if I didn't go to school for four years and had four more years to fuck up, plus while the industry was dying in itself, with no experience. So I definitely think it was a blessing going to school, although I don't think I really learned very much that eventually helped me in what I'm doing now.
0: If anything, uh, I think it gives you a little bit more confidence because at least you have a piece of paper saying that you know what the hell you're doing, (laughs) or at least let, let other people know that you know what you're doing. I guess, uh,
1: I did it, I honestly I did it from my parents, because
0: oh, yeah. like, well, I want My what... dad's mechanic, and he wanted me to take over his garage, and he was just like, oh yeah, go to school to be, like, business, so you can come back and take over the garage, I'm like, bro, I want to fucking do music, I don't want to be a rock star, I don't think I'm gonna go touring, and like, take over, I'm not Mick Jagger, you know, like, I, I'm gonna, right. but there is money to be made in this, and you have to approach it like a business, so... When I went to school, like, they had a, a music business program also, but it was an actual, like, mu- music business, like, degree. But Where'd you there, go again? I went to Monmouth University. Oh, yeah. And so it was, like, right by the beach, you know. It was, like, 45 minutes from home. It wasn't too far away, and, like, you got to see, like, girls in bikinis and shit, like, on the weekends, which <laughs> was cool. But <laughs> I uh, I went for music business, but there was so many, like, electives because it was such an untapped industry or an untapped, like, you know, division of college that you can take like yoga and all this other bullshit. So instead of doing that, I took like actual business classes uh, and I took a market. So I graduated in four years with three degrees and a minor in infotech. So like, I'm fucking look at you. Yeah. yeah. Overachiever. <laughs> but but yeah. it was funny to see like that there was never really a, a program for music business. So knowing that you had to actually kind of like make your own, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. If
1: I if I transferred, um, which at that point I didn't really want to, one I I guess liked the school. I don't know. I, I had my group of friends and I don't know, I just I don't really like change. I liked where I was, but I wanted to pursue what I wanted to pursue, so I fucking figured it out and made it happen, I guess, which is kind of I guess <laughs> the whole through line of my career. I just kind of figured it out and made it happen. But
0: um So can you walk me yeah. through like when you first started enjoy the ride and you had your first you know deal how did you you know set it up because i think a lot of times when you're doing things first off you got to figure out how the fuck to do it the first time and you're going to always stumble a few times uh almost like this podcast but uh how did you figure out your first you know record deal how did you put out that first record well the
1: first band was was so the plan was to, you know, start, like, have like a normal record label. The vinyl thing didn't exist until after college. Like at least the vinyl reissue thing on like on, like a label that specifically did that definitely wasn't a thing when I was in college. And I was buying buying vinyl like the end of high school and then a little bit in college shows, um, but like nothing was really coming out. Either it was out already, or ninety percent of the scene wasn't out because it all came out, you know, in, the, in some point in the nineties or early two thousands. Um. So my plan was, you know, to have a normal record label where, you'd like, you sign bands. And basically, I wanted like a drive-through sort of situation where the bands toured together, the bands knew each other. You know, it was like a family sort of atmosphere. And um, I graduated college in '07. Then I got into this. Uh, I was managing my friend's band. Um, I guess the end of college and the, right after college, and the summer right after, we were in the studio recording their debut EP. And we got into a car accident coming back from uh, the studio recording on um, one of the last days and that in turn, um, it was a pretty bad accident, the car flipped a bunch of times, and, um, I fucked up my hand pretty badly, I, like, basically the, the hood, um, the, floor, the car flipped a couple times, and the hood crushed my hand, which in turn, um, like, I was holding on to the bar, so whatever, yeah, regardless, price. yeah, long story short, well, that's kind of, like, the Enjoy the Ride name is semi-a-pun, although, like, that was also, like, a thing that, like, me and my friends used to say, and then, you know, so i was kind of thinking about doing that as a label name anyway and then that happened so it just kind of all fit together and seemed to you know be right place right time but that said i was in like occupational therapy three days a week for a year after that so really i was just going on i was going to occupational therapy for a couple hours a day and then coming home and going on my space and pure volume and whatever else at the time and just the I was, I was punk i guess and just trying to you know, find the right band, because I only really, I didn't have a lot of money, and I, once I, I had a business plan, like all set, before the car accident happened, and then realized, once I started actually looking into things, it costs way more than you think it does.
0: Um, yeah, hey, vinyl's not cheap at all. Well, at first, I wasn't <laughs> even planning to do
1: vinyl, I was just planning you know, to put the band put a band in the studio, and put out a CD, and digital, obviously, and whatever, I wasn't even, I wanted to do vinyl, but I knew how much it cost, and that wasn't even the initial business plan, if that was, then it was the cost of vinyl itself was what the business plan was full amount, including recording the record and marketing. And I don't even remember what else was in there. Probably some sort of money for the band to help touring or like it was incredibly, um, I don't know if the war is short sighted or whatever. Inexperienced, I guess. Yeah. And, then, um, for better or worse, car accident happened, which, um, I ended up suing, it was a drunk driver who, whatever, it's a long story. Long story short, I got a little bit of money, and took that and put that towards the label and then found Harvard during that time. Um, I actually knew the singer of Harvard from his old band that I found in college when I was, I'm a big Glassjaw fan. So the, the band, um, the singer's old band was like the band of the month on the Glassjaw band site I used to check out. And I just always kind of kept in touch or whatever, like kept tabs on him. And yeah. then once I saw the label, um, I found his new band and that ended up being Harvard, which is crazy to think about also. And, um, then we started looking for producers once everything was finalized and, um, Brian McTiernan was sh- shockingly, um, interested and was willing to do it for like a basically friends and family rate kind of thing is like, basically just like worth his time. And, um, he built the studio from scratch. Um, so basically like the, there was like a loft, um, sort of living space where the bands got to live while they got to record. So basically they were living in the studio. So that was essentially like rent for the month and his time, nice. um, which still was expensive, but for the quality and you know he's a guy who's put out worked on slash produced various gold if not platinum releases and I've always loved his production work. Movie is one of my favorite bands. He's produced all at the time all their shit or I guess well I guess technically now they have a new record out, but whatever. <laughs> Regardless, um, yeah. So I had like I hired like a real entertainment lawyer and like that was how I got the first deal done. Like which coincidentally kind of fucked me in my opinion. Um, he gave me like a 25 or 28 page, I believe, um, like major label contract, which was one outdated. Like I remember it had, 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 um, had language for like laser discs and video discs and eight tracks and things that like in 2008 clearly weren't in existence. And like, and like you can just put like in a contract, like like past and future, um, formats and like you don't have to literally name every single format like there's a way to do that that is not 28 pages and in turn that basically gave me a really hard time signing a band before harvard during harvard slash before harvard i was looking to sign two bands originally was my plan sign one band that was um you know like a passion project say it again
0: passion project
1: Um, Well, yeah, one one passion project that ended up being Harvard that was more of a cult following. It would take a few years to get their audience, but it would be out there and eventually through word of mouth and the internet, whatever, they'd eventually get there, but it wouldn't be for everybody kind of thing. That was Harvard, and I wanted one band that was more of a pop punk or just pop rock, whatever, like mainstream band that could get a, a hit on the radio or whatever, the internet. YouTube, whatever, bullshit. Yeah. No, it was 10 years ago. I
0: mean, <laughs> it was probably like, oh, I want to get you on Fuse or MTV, you know? <laughs> Yeah,
1: whatever. Just a, a band that would be very marketable, that would get a following quickly and whatever, and that ended up never materializing. One, because I used all my money on Harvard because I underestimated things. And two, um, the contract really, really slowed things up that I gave three or four contracts to various other bands that three or four, or... All but one literally never spoke to me again because they just got like they were kids, you know? They were like 18, 19 year old kids, and one of them was actually was actually a band that the singer was like I was looking for like a Paramore type female fronted band. The girl was like sixteen or seventeen years old. and I had a meet with her parents and talked about like <laughs> trying to get her like 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 homeschooling and like 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 yeah. like ridiculous conversations for someone that one had no experience and two like.
0: I don't know. It was all. Well, when you the lawyer, was that more of you trying to cover your own ass in case, like, these guys don't follow through with something? Or do you think that the uh, bands well, no, were kind of just, asking for it? Not
1: in case they didn't follow through with something. Just, you know, like, I wanted to, like, do this for a living, for a career, so I was trying to do it legitimately. And I not only cover my ass, but cover the band's ass and cover anyone else who might be involved's ass. Like, I just wanted to make sure things were done, whatever. I mean, like,
0: I, guess. I completely understand it. I just, you know, from from my experience, we kind of started around the same time. But like, I always felt like I needed some sort of lawyer, and I always had one if I needed to. But like, I would just do like a handshake deal when you're when you're dealing with bands and try to be like, "Hey, this should be <laughs> this," you know. And I think a lot of times it kind of kicked me in the ass later on because I didn't have it all spelt out. Like there was a time I sponsored a tour. We, we I dropped grand just like to help with tour promotion and in the end i got you know my dick in my hand at the end (laughs) because like oh we forgot to do so and so yeah but i came through you know (laughs) yeah
1: it's uh Uh, and like and especially in in the entertainment industry like just for managing my friend's band for a few years like it's fucking sketchy sometimes and be it on like all sorts of different ends like either because things don't put. Uh, work out the way that they planned or whatever.
0: Like, oh, like so, working with bands is like hoarding cats. I think, like, you know, they're all yeah. over the place, and like just trying to get them to focus on one thing or like to have like, a, a solid, you know, vision on like how the fuck to move yeah. forward That's is a lot of the difficult why, to tell. Why I ended up, I guess, pivoting to the vinyl reissue thing.
1: Like, Harvard thankfully worked out at the end of the day very well. Uh, I got relatively lucky, in my opinion, that Equal Vision got involved. And um, that kind of I think sped up the process for getting the name out there, which in turn um, helped the um, I guess visibility and and so whatever. You, um, you
0: did that you did all, you also did some like old uh, reissues for like uh, Justin Kensuru and whatever the fuck else through Equivision. Do you think that helped get Harvard uh, hooked up was in just there? That kind of happy accident that. Um, so, Harvard
1: was found by Equal Vision because they were playing a show with Orbs. I don't know if you remember them. Um, they were on Equal Vision. They still technically might be. They only put out, like, one EP and one full length, I believe. It was former members of a bunch of other bands, but a couple of them were North Carolina guys. I don't remember. I think some of them might have been hopeful. I don't remember exactly. Um, but regardless, they put out an album on Equal Vision and, um, because they were, like, guys from former bands they like their first show was like a decently big show in the area and harvard was a pretty big local band um that could draw that people liked and also harvard was very much like a musician's band like uh like a comedian's comedian like
0: oh yeah i used to go jogging listening to them their fucking record is awesome the two (laughs) yeah.
1: yeah like but like it took a long time for the general population of normal people to find them but like most bands, like when they played a show with them, they would like immediately fall in love with them and and, and become friends with them and try to bring them on tour and whatever. But like so it took a few years for you know the rest of the world to kind of find out about them. But that said, um, Orbs asked them to open for this big show, which was, I believe, their record release show. I don't fully remember. Um, I wasn't there, um, but that said, a bunch of guys from Ecovision were there, which would make sense that it was the record release. It was either their first show or the record release show. It was like a big show. Yeah. Um, and. That got uh, them on Equal Vision's radar, um, and that said, um, they spoke, They like, in touch with them for a little while, and then they set up to have them play another show at their, their showcase at South by Southwest, and that was when I came down to meet Equal Vision to um, see the show and talk to them and see if we could work something out and whatever. Um, and that in that conversation, that was when I first started doing, um, I just did the drive through stuff and I just started doing the major label vinyl reissue stuff. I put out like 311 and Dream Theater and some other things are in the works and they just casually brought that up in conversation. Like, oh, I see you're doing like, I think they brought it up. I might've brought it up. I likely brought it up, but in my, I remember them bringing it up, but who knows? But regardless, I remember- Oh, I
0: see you do a vinyl. That shit's expensive. You want to fucking spend some money on this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember, I just remember it coming off and me being like, I'd love to- i love to, like, work with you and figure something out. And thankfully, that ended up being pretty simple at the time, which I wish it was still so simple. We're still trying to reissue a bunch of that stuff, which hopefully in the future will happen, but easier said than done. Um, but at the time, it was pretty simple to, to do, thankfully. And we had a great relationship with them, and had a lot of great stuff. Uh, a bunch of the Paul of Troy stuff. Um, the Manipulator album is probably one of my favorite releases the first pressing to this day like it was like a quad gatefold it, like it was like a four panel fold out and we used like this amazing artwork that um, the bassist drew that was in the CD fold out we were able to blow it up and oh yeah my buddy uh,
0: Tim he, he had that record and he's like look at this and he, like unfolded it and fold and fold and fold and fold like Jesus Christ <laughs>
1: yeah yeah like I think that shit would probably be too expensive to redo today honestly we, we repressed it like a few years later and did the the gatefold was two was two of the panels, and then the print innersleeve was two more of the panels, so it still extended to the full thing. But it was a little, a little cheaper to do. Um, but yeah, yeah, we did a lot of great stuff with Equal Vision. And
0: um, can you explain yeah, a little that, bit how uh, different it was, you know, ten years ago when you started? Uh, I mean, you obviously, you had Harvard and all this other stuff, but you were trying to do a few re-releases. I remember, like, first, I I'm a big early November fan. I remember hearing about. Enjoy the ride through uh, the early November stuff. You did that one with like the uh, screen printed wood box and stuff. I'm like, fuck yeah, this guy, you know, he's putting some effort into it. Um, but how it's kind of changed over the years from, you know, 10 years ago when you started doing re releases to kind of the, the current stuff you're doing now um, and the deals you have with uh, these different labels. Um, yeah, everything has changed a ton in the
1: last 10 years. Um... Well, 10 years ago, when you would approach labels or companies, to some degree, they would just, like, give you the rights for next to nothing, because they, they they thought that nobody would buy this, and you were just throwing money away.
0: Yeah, they didn't see the value. And,
1: and, and they just wanted money, so that way they were at least, you know, whatever, guaranteed something. Um, now, it's basically the opposite. Um, now, it's very, very hard to get the rights, and most things are, most things the labels want to hold on to themselves, if they didn't already do it. And, you know 10 years of this shit like most things have been done which is trust or either have been done or aren't able to be done for various legal or personal reasons for the ban depending on what the situation is and um fuck, sorry <laughs> that's cool uh, yeah um and now it's a very complicated and long process usually a lot more expensive if they're willing to even give it up at all and, um, and like I said, most things have been done at this point, like 10 years ago, it was, you know, something corporate leaving through the window and like things that were people's favorite albums of all time. Like I knew for a fact, I could definitely sell a thousand or 2000 or whatever, 2000 copies of this record. It's just a matter of finding the people, which at the time is really the kind of the, the tricky part it was, I know that I know that there's 500 people or a thousand people that want this record on vinyl. It's a matter of how do I find them. Well, now there's tons of people looking for it, so you know, supply and demand, and, and the labels know it. So either they want to make all the money themselves, or they want to gouge you and make sure that you're not making much money. and They're making way more than you are, and you're doing all the work and spending all the time. And you know, the risk, as as we talk about, and have always talked about. You know, like, it's very hard to predict what people want. Like, things that we think are a good idea may not be, and things that I think are potentially not a good idea sometimes are the winners. Like, the Coconut Peep release we did, um, which is Club Dread, which is Broken Lizard. Um, Broken Lizard um, and Club Dread are the guys from Super Troopers. Yeah, yeah, of Troopers, all day. Among other (laughs) other things. But Club Dread is, like, their follow-up to Super Troopers that has a cult following, but, you know, most people don't really know what it is, and I love the movie and always have loved the movie, and um, there's a fictional um, Jimmy Buffett-type-esque uh, character um, that's played by Bill Paxton, who has a bunch of songs in the film, um, who was like a 70s rocker kind of shit, and now he's, like, hosting these these uh, retreats at um, at this, uh, whatever, island getaway um, hotel thing that said like that was mo- that definitely a passion project for me that I'm like I'm pretty sure people would want this like I love Broken Lizard the songs are fucking hilarious but uh, yeah and, like that one did like that's something that I would have bet if I had a bet that it would not be a good idea but it was a seven inch and it was a passion project and I'm like I'm pretty sure over time I can move 500 of these probably hopefully and they sold out in like a couple hours and I ended up doing three pressings and a liquid and a not liquid a sand filled version like, all sorts of crazy shit. You know, it's hard to really predict, but...
0: Yeah. How do you come know, up with these true. ideas for the different uh, packagings? Like, I know you did the Ninja Turtles one that had, like, the ooze inside of it. and stuff. Yeah. Like, do you kind well, of come up with the doing... idea, or do you see something first, and then you kind of attack the a combination idea?
1: combination of the two. I really try not doing shit just for the sake of doing shit. But, you know, like, I keep ideas in the back of my mind. Like, I see a lot of really interesting either packaging or, like different like liquid filled or sand filled or just different interesting unique ideas and either from another album or sometimes even from something that's not music related or not vinyl related and then i'll kind of keep that idea in the back of my mind and try to adapt it when and if it makes sense for yeah, example it's
0: definitely got to make sense because like sometimes i have ideas for packaging and it's like oh this would work great with this record and like shit falls through with the band or whatever and then i gotta like yeah I'm not gonna like. Oh, I'm gonna use this idea for the next release we do. It's like no. It's if yeah, it works, it works. For, for me, there's some labels who literally do every release like
1: a dozen of them on Liquid filled or whatever, and like I don't know. Like it becomes a novel. Like, it is a novelty in the first place, but like it becomes not special. And I don't know. I always try to do something that makes sense uh, theme-wise, be it packaging or color variant or if i do like a super limited you know filled version which we've only done a few times but we have a couple more coming out of those later this year um that said like for example we have a, we have a ninja turtles we did the ninja turtles release we have a repress coming out later this year that um is new artwork and stuff and the artwork is um like a sewer cap that like pops open and then when you pop it open the turtles pop out and that's right weapons and shit and that idea like i saw five years ago at this point maybe even probably five years ago with um a twisted sister album cover from the 80s called uh, come out and play one of their albums that it's a sewer cover that says has like a ts on it and then when you flip it open d snyder fucking's popping out wearing all sorts of crazy shit and i saw that in the record store and i was like i've never fucking seen that and that's genius and then i had that idea back back in the back of my head for years and then we're talking about doing a Turtles reissue and or a Root Press, and I was like, "Yo, like we should do, uh, what a 12 inch with new artwork and see if Nickelodeon will go for this." And it took like six months to a year, but thankfully Nickelodeon eventually gave us the go-ahead, and that'll be out later this year. That's it. Thanks, dude. But yeah, like I definitely try doing something. I don't like doing things for the sake of doing things. I like doing things that make sense with the property, and I think that's really one of the big differentiators of my label is. When, when i started doing this color variants weren't really a thing definitely not the way they are now usually there was it was one color and usually like like one color variant not like multiple in the pressing and usually it was like one color at the time like a solid color or whatever and i remember the first time the first time i saw a record from pirates press um i had uh third eye blind I think it was Ursa Major the one with the bear on the cover it might have been Ursa Minor whichever one came out first and um, it was clear with like three color splatter but the splatter was just like so heavy that like basically you could like barely even see the clear and it was just like fucking crazy crazy colors and I I don't know like that was when I started researching like what can be done and where it can be done and that was really I remember very clearly like that was when the light bulb went off my head like like you can do some fucking cool shit and people aren't utilizing it. No one, nobody was doing it to like the the theme of either the theme of the album art or like if it was like a movie or if it was like with, like so, like something on the cover. Like people weren't matching colors.
0: Yeah, they they it, were making like an extension of the thing. It was just kind of like, oh, this is in blue. Now it's in red. Now it's in exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, and that was really like my differentiator, I guess, from the beginning is like I did, did like. Like even the drive-through stuff, like there was 500 copies, which is basically the lowest you can really make to make it cost-effective, and even those had two, three different color variants. Partially because I was, I guess, selfishness because I wanted to see. I didn't know how long I was going to be able to do this, and if people were going to buy it. And I wanted to, I wanted to see what, what what it would look like, and I thought people would dig it. And thankfully, I was, I was right. All that shit goes for crazy money
0: now. Yeah, well, like, I used what? pirate press before, and they're kind of smart too, because like there's times where I was trying to do like mixes where I'm like, oh, I'm gonna do an opaque with this and this, and like honestly, bro, that's not gonna look too good.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of that for me was uh, trial and error. Um,
0: yeah, there's like, a couple I put out that look like shit. And I was like, uh, I wish I did this instead, but you know, after you put the money in, you're like, uh, well, here, here it is. I think we all
1: have that. Although sometimes it comes out the opposite, like like Harvard on vinyl, which was maybe like my – I don't know, 10th vinyl release, I would say, when we got around doing it on vinyl. The first pressing, I did like an opaque, clear swirl that, as you know, normally doesn't come out cool, but sometimes it does, and that one came out super fucking cool, and that's people's, like, one of pe- like a lot of people's favorite color variant of ours in general. People call it, like, the peacock swirl, and, like, yeah. they hold up to the light. It looks fucking really crazy.
0: Well, you do some really cool shit with the, the, the exploding label, where, like, the label's inside the actual record.
1: Yeah, the label blowout
0: shit. Yeah, you've yeah, you done a lot of really cool stuff. Um,
1: I always try doing something unique. And, like, I'm a collector. Like, I grew up I, – and I, still, I'm a big collector of things. Like, I still buy Blu-rays and shit. Like, granted, I like the bonus footage. It's not fully about the, the packaging for me, but a lot of it is the packaging. And, like, I don't know. If, if the packaging is worth – to do something that is creative and unique and worth owning, then I definitely – like opting for that as opposed to just, you know, a file that people usually either forget about or whatever. Um,
0: Is there anyone else that's doing something now that like really sticks out to you that you use as like inspiration? <laughs> um,
1: there's not one particular company I would say, but I definitely.
0: no. It's, a, it's plug- a conglomerate of a bunch of shit, I'm sure. But like, yeah,
1: I'm very, I'm very plugged in. I'm very, I'm very involved in both following and buying also on, you know a lot of the vinyl current stuff so there's definitely a lot of really cool stuff that i've taken inspiration from um the soundtrack labels in particular like mondo and Waxwork, like they do a great job of what they do and the casting's top-notch and the artwork's top-notch and um sound quality obviously is top-notch um so yeah like i there's not one particular company but i definitely keep my whatever ear to the ground and do my best to uh, you know, see what's happening and adapt, I guess.
0: Well, but I mean, I think art comes into like a big play with a lot of the stuff you guys are doing. Uh, I mean, who is doing the artwork for you? Is it like uh, you have a team or you have one guy? Like, how do you, from uh, comp- um, so concept the company, to the creation, you know?
1: Yeah, the company at this point is uh, myself, and then we have an operations manager uh, Michelle that helps out with a lot of stuff. Um, she helps with uh, the email and social media. We run a lot of ideas um, back and forth to each other um, on a daily basis. Um, she's a huge part of the company and a huge help. And then um, we have one primary art director um, that we use now. Um, but throughout the course of the company, um, there's been a two or three primary, I guess three or four, like main guys who were kind of like doing all the promo images and doing art layouts. Um, and then... Now there's one main guy who's fantastic, Stephen, um, who we work with, who does all of our website and graphic design and label and uh, art layouts and stuff. Um, and then sometimes, depending on how busy he is, because you know he's only one person. And we, like on a, at any given time, like right now, we have even with the pandemic going on, which obviously is making things more difficult to do from a business standpoint, both oh, production, yeah. manufacturing, and licensing. Like people are not working as diligently as they do from like from home. Most people aren't used to that, um, among, you know, you can have meetings and it's just harder to get things, the wheels in motion with everything. But that said, like at any given time, like right now there's, I would say 15, 20, 25 releases in the works at various stages right now, be it either in the stage of, um, contract negotiation, um, to, you know, being in the process of being pressed and being shipped over right now. Which there's two or three things right now that are that are finished and in transit. That's um, crazy. That'll be on sale next month. Um, so that said, like it's a lot of work for you know one person from a graphic standpoint. So Steven does an incredible job and he does most of our stuff. But when he's busy doing a project that takes like some sometimes like Ace Natura and True Romance, for example, where like we did full original art that he drew everything um you know that shit takes a month two months depending on you know how involved the art is and whatever situation is so that said um we have a couple other people that help on the side just for like a simple layout if he's busy doing something that's a lot more
0: involved do you, do you ever feel weird when you ask them for some of this stuff because i remember i had to print that uh Slip mat with the with Ace coming out the rhino's asshole. <laughs> <I was laughs> yeah. Like, wait, have you ever <laughs> felt like awkward? Like, I got this idea, but I need you to draw a man's head coming out of a rhino's asshole. <laughs> Dude,
1: the, the conversations I've had with him and just in general um, are—I don't even know a word to say. <laughs> like, I very often, very very often, like on a monthly, if not sometimes weekly basis. Have to stop. And be like, I can't believe that's a real fucking sentence. That <laughs> context makes sense, but like,
0: like, yeah. I, I did We're that the, one time. I was trying to make a. You ever do? You ever fuck with three D printing?
1: Um, we did for the the ooze liquid uh, turtle fill thing. We made little. 3D printed turtles that went inside of it. But okay. that's the only time I've ever. That's the
0: only other only time I've ever that's, had any involvement. It's a trip. I mean, I I went on a couple different sites and I found somebody and I had to describe. I wanted to make this thing. It was called a vaginal. So okay. I, wanted, I wanted it to be like a, a center adapter for 45s, but right. it was a vagina. And like Genius. I <laughs> I don't know why I don't know why, but. I went back and forth with this person talking about the label flaps for like three days. I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. needs to be more flappy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had, uh, we're working on a, on a release right now that has uh, uh, pornographic material in the artwork, and there's,
0: and the... We had that the Ron Jeremy thing on the front. <laughs> what yeah, that?
1: that's, that's another release that, yeah, there's been a lot of ridiculous conversations with centering around the porno sonic <laughs> series but yeah we, we have another release with with pornographic images coming out like me going back and forth both with the the guy who's designing the art and also the printer because like like just i, I'm, I can't get to specifics
0: yeah I don't, want, I don't want to ruin any of the surprise you know it's it, it, it's
1: just ridiculous conversations that i had to take screenshots and send it <laughs> to a friend of mine to be like like it's unbelievable that this is like. Oh yeah, I got a, like, I,
0: I got my core group. I'm like I can't believe I just put that into a sentence. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's fun though. It keeps you on your toes, and I don't know. Like a lot of the a lot of the I guess especially for the like the newer art. Like not everything is a lot of things are the older like original album art, but repurposed. I guess so. I have some sort of artistic. Um, i guess say in like the center labels and things that weren't made previously and that and that i guess is a lot of fun for me which i don't know like i don't have any technical skills in terms of art but i have a lot of ideas and i'm good at visualizing something in my head and then um being able to explain it to somebody and then have them work through i guess making it work on a technical standpoint and that for me is Probably my favorite part about this job is being able to have an idea and see it come to fruition when I have no actual technical skills to make it happen. I guess.
0: <laughs> no, I, I mean like the stuff you put out. I love the artwork for it. I think you have a really good team around you. Um, whatever you you know developed over the past ten years has been amazing, and you know the fact that you're able to kind of churn out twenty, you know, like you said, twenty five different orders uh, yeah, in the last process is. Crazy. And year we put out, like, 26 or 27, and the year before that was 25. That
1: includes represses, which is probably, like, five or so of the releases, I would say. But, yeah, man, it's fucking really crazy to have over 100 Enjoy the Ride catalog releases on top of 20-plus more Enjoy the Tunes catalog releases. Like, as you know, like, there's no time to fucking look back in the entertainment industry. Like, by the time something comes out, I'm already way past it like I'm excited about it when I you know sign the contract or when the artwork is approved or something
0: like, oh yeah you got the test presses and you're like fuck yeah this sounds yeah, awesome like, and then like all of a sudden by the time that record's actually done you're ready you got it, you're like okay fuck not gonna sell this but-
1: <laughs> yeah like a good six months to a year I'm excited about something six months to a year before other people are and it's, it's weird you know like at that point I'm stressed out that I just wanna get this over with to some degree, like I'm, well, it's not true. I'm excited. I'm excited when 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 they finally arrive they're in my hands. But that's you know a couple weeks before they go on sale usually, and by that time, usually it's a whole other ordeal, and I'm already on. I'm already uh, on to the next thing that I'm working on. Oh, you got to do
0: promo shots. You got to do like a marketing plan. You got to uh, you know make sure everyone's like tagging the right things when they're fucking posting on socials. It's a lot of yeah,
1: and we do a lot of exclusive you know, sort of retailer stuff. That said, like once something is ready to go because there's articles in New York Times or articles in Forbes or articles in whatever, all of a sudden, like, the higher-ups are like, cool, vinyl's good, fucking buy vinyl, buy vinyl, buy vinyl, and all of a sudden, there's 60 things out when, like, no one curates it. Like, that's a lot of what my job is with the label. It's like, like, the catalog is curated to things that either I think people will want or I personally want as a passion project that I hope to God people will want and I won't lose a ton of money on. But,
0: but at the same uh, time, you're willing to take the bullet because you'll, you'll fall on the sword or whatever it is, you know, because it means something to you.
1: Yeah, thankfully at this point, like, for, for years, many years, we were we were operating, you know, paycheck to paycheck, release to release that we had to
0: sell three quarters of the last release in order to fund the next release, you know? Oh, dude, like, I, after my tenth release, like, I I was working with local bands, so, like, they really didn't sell shit other than to the people that would see them locally. And I was like, fuck, I really have no money. So, the only thing I had to do, like, the only thing I could think to do was just to make these stupid videos online. And, like, that's when I went up to, uh, you know, Looney Tunes, and i that's the first time I met you in person. Like, we, we yep. did that video, like face-to-face, and, you know, you put the Harvard shit up on, like, the, it was, like, (laughs) so stupid, but, like, it got me through that hump, and, like, whatever those Uh, little videos did, it sold enough to fucking put out the next one, the next one, and then, you know. I
1: remember that very, I remember that very clearly. I remember (laughs) you emailing me, and I was dating my ex-girlfriend at the time, and she also bought vinyl and, like, knew who you were or knew, knew of the company. I remember, I remember turning to her and being like, I can't tell if he's fucking with me, like, <laughs> like, like, based on what you wanted to do, because, like, you were mocking yourself, and I was like, I can't tell what he's doing, but I still can't tell what you're doing 10 years later, so.
0: oh, no. <laughs> I can't either, but, like, Carl threw, <laughs> Carl threw the shit in the fucking toilet, and <laughs> it's like, that's yeah.
1: perfect, <laughs> yes. I've watched that video, I don't know, every, like, uh, once a year, I would say, I, I mentioned, I mentioned that video, either, like, uh, Michelle's works for me, or, like, that, who I do social media with, who, who knows you? And, like, I, I show it to somebody, and I'm like, this video is
0: great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. But, like, <laughs> I, I had nothing else. I'm like, I can't afford anything else. Like, I got to be creative. Got to fuck. It's a bad idea. <laughs> I, I've always really enjoyed all your social media game and
1: your Instagram, as I said in the first version of this. Yeah. Your Instagram story <laughs> is one of my favorite
0: things on the Internet. Oh, dude, I had and... my, my uh, aunt-in-law, my, 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 my uh, wife's aunt. she she thought i fucking died she called my wife she's like is dan alive because i jumped off the back of my truck and i dropped a macho man elbow onto like a piece of wood (laughs) And she's like like, you're gonna smack your fucking head on that rock you dumb motherfucker i'm like yeah probably
1: (laughs) i get followers though
0: it's it's working whatever the fuck we're doing like I kind of got out of the the pressing record games there's like a couple bands i'll fuck with like oh well i i will always do whatever the fuck they want this they got my heart um but like i'm really just focused more on individual orders like so if somebody sends in something where it's like here's 10 songs that like remind me of my girlfriend and here's a picture of us and the so i have like the printers i got the cutters i'm making like one-off records now and I kind of, I'm out of the game when it comes to, like, looking for licensing and stuff like that, but, like, at the same time, that's where I, I guess, made the name, you know? It's like, all these Yeah, no, I
1: definitely admire what you're doing. Like, you have a fucking factory in your, in your house, basically, which is incredible, and, like, there's definitely a demand for, you know, very small run, either personal or smaller bands who just want stuff for, like, a reunion show or whatever. Like, there's definitely, in my opinion, a large man for what
0: you're doing. Yeah, I mean it's it's weird the how it kind of shifted from where it was to where it is. Um, yeah. and I think like you you're kind of like one of the pillars where like you kind of stayed strong and like you're you are you have kind of shifted too you did enjoy the tunes for a little bit, you did. I mean you're yeah. still doing it, but like your focus has always been on I think that's the always like, that's
1: a big thing in the entertainment industry that people don't realize and why so many people you know don't stick around why such a fucking small world like being in it 10 years now like it's such a small world that everybody knows each other because it's the people that fucking hustle and people who like you have to pivot you, like like what you plan on doing more often than not is not going to turn out on being the thing you do um like i'm running a record label but in the sense of the word it's like it is a record label by definition but it's it's not really, like, it's a, it's a reissue label, or people call it a vanity label, like, people call it different things, but, like,
0: I went, like, when you, I... You capitalize on nostalgia, I think, like, that's, like, that as you're saying, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Yeah, hey, a. yeah, totally, and, <laughs> like, that's
1: my whole fucking life, like, I'm, like, I'm
0: a pop culture junkie, and, like, You get the Astro Crag fucking trophy. Yeah, like, that's why I really
1: feel this job is, you know tailor-made for me and like I don't know what else I would honestly do when and if this ends or I'm not able to anymore um like like I said like I I, I love art aesthetic and I have good ideas but I don't really have a way to I guess make it a reality and then on top of, and then combine with being a pop culture junkie and you know I love you know MTV and fucking Well, what MTV was, you know, just the aesthetic of, you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and um, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, which in turn, you know, I hear a lot of interviews with different musicians, it gives me a lot of different ideas and stuff. Um, So yeah, like, I really, I don't know what else I would do, honestly. (laughs)
0: ah fuck i'm like i feel like i'm so far into it that like i have no other choice other than to keep going so like i wake up and yeah, just like to some degree i feel the same
1: way like i'm sure i can get a job in marketing somewhere but i don't really know how happy i would be like like i was no like that would suck
0: said. fuck it I, i've worked for other people before they they're all like yeah. when you feel like you're able to do something better than the person that runs it you're just like motherfucker if you just did this but like I don't know. Personally, I don't know. That was a lot of my know. struggle. Like, before I was doing this
1: full-time, um, out of college, like, I had, like, I was doing this part-time when Harvard was first touring, and really I was first getting the contract signed, and then the studio, and then touring. You know, it was like a three, a three but I graduated college in um, summer of 07, and then the Harvard record didn't come out until December of 09. Granted, like, the car accident happened, and that was like a good year.
0: Um, How's your love life now that the car accident in your hand's all fucked up, though? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll play. We'll play. but yeah like i don't know like the whole time i really just had a like you said pivot and the enjoy the tunes things was was really a happy accident um um
0: uh, i wasn't sure if you had like different business partners for that or like what um, because no, it seemed all, like it, you're kind of like creating your own little niche within a niche yeah um don't like the meat sauce
1: media thing i have a different business partner that's the only thing that's separate enjoy the ride enjoy the tunes or enjoy the tunes technically isn't it's own company it's it's a sub-label it's an, under the umbrella of enjoy the ride i guess technically so yeah that's still all me um but yeah enjoy the tunes happened because like I, like i said like i'm a pop culture junkie and like i was never really like into sesame street or like really even disney or the muppets like when i was a kid like nick tunes was really my jam um and I saw somebody post a 7-inch of Drennan Stimpy. Um, this was maybe like 2013, long before soundtracks were even really like a, a vinyl thing. And I was like, that's fucking cool. I wonder if there's anything else on vinyl. And then I saw that there wasn't, and there was a Best of Nicktoons CD and the company I was already working with. So for the hell of it, I was I put in for it, and then I got approved, and then... At that point, the only thing that had been done on vinyl that was remotely similar was somebody did the New My Little Pony show on vinyl. Yeah. And at that point, like, I only knew that label as... Anytime I saw that label put out other stuff, which they put out very legitimate, great other things, they put out Walking Dead and Breaking Bad and lots of shit. And at the time, every time I saw the nail, I'm like, oh, that's a label put out My Little Pony. And I didn't want to be that guy for Nicktoons. And that was why I kind of created Enjoy the Tunes as a sub label because I didn't want people to be like, oh... Isn't that the Nick Tune guy When I
0: was still putting out You know Rob Zombie And yeah. fucking Whatever and
1: That Hellbilly so,
0: thing Was awesome too yeah. What was? Hellbilly? Oh
1: yeah Yeah like it,
0: It's incredible the things Your, your catalog is so Fucking like Deep and You know It, it covers a lot Of different things I, I understand why You would kind of like Make subdivisions Within your own Just so you're not like pigeonholed, But
1: Fuck it's dude It's amazing to me That <laughs> It's they amazing. gave me some stuff that they gave me early on. Like, the fact that I put out Maroon 5, Songs About Jane, for the first vinyl press since 03, which was European-only, was, And the script, that took, like, five years close by the end of it because I made, made new artwork for The Gatefold, and we did a, a, a bonus disc of B-sides and remixes and all sorts of crazy shit. But, like, the fact that they let me do anything, especially something like that, is... Unbelievable to me. Same thing with Rob Zombie. Like, granted, I just kind of proved the market for them, and then they put it out themselves after because they knew I was doing limited run, yeah. and they sold out within within a couple months, if not less. So they're like, "Oh, cool. Clearly, there's demand the for a large run. Let's fucking do it."
0: How long do you think, on average, a single release would take you to do from licensing, like the initial reach out, licensing, the back and forth, the final okay until the pressing? I know pressings are like. Uh, very by your uh you know sure. manufacturer but like um it's very it's
1: very hard to say definitively every project is totally different um on the very low end where like i'm dealing with like an independent band where like they basically like the band's broken up or or whatever like they it's just free money for them something that they did 10 years ago like that's happened in, before where the band's not active anymore and whatever
0: yeah it's my uh, life something, really.
1: like, something like that where it's on the easy end um i would say like six months to a year usually negotiating takes a while um, if not a few weeks to a few months depending on how quickly they get back and what the deal is and then manufacturing takes you know anywhere from like three to four months two three months depending on who you go with and what you are doing and you know if test presses are approved the first time and whatever else um but then on the high end You know, like Maroon 5, for example, like I said, you know, that took close to five years from when I initially asked about it to when it came out, and there's some stuff we're working on right now, so on the the high end, there's been a lot of things that have taken four to five years, some of which aren't even out yet, that may not come out, some of which are definitely coming out, but, you know, it's really hard to say, and it's definitely, and the more popular vinyl gets, you know, the more the more licensing requests there are, the longer it takes, the more money they want or the higher percentage they want because they know somebody else will give them a better deal or whatever. So yeah, things definitely take a long time and as things have gone on, um, have definitely gotten a little more complicated, a little more, you know, time oriented, a little more a little more everything. <laughs> in the beginning in the beginning no one even Understood what I wanted to do. They just wanted money, and
0: now they yeah. know what I want to do, and they want to maximize everything they can. When I worked at Sony, like the the first thing I had to do, I was like a graphic design guy there. I was the assistant to the graphic design guy. I wasn't even like the fucking head cheese. But they had a, a partnership with Record Store Day, and I think it was like year two of Record Store Day. Like it's been going on for ten something years now. Yeah. Um, I had to make a video explaining to them how to set up a Facebook page and shit. <laughs> like, you think it's silly now, but like, they didn't know how to fucking do it. And I had to make a video and we'd send it to every single, because we were a distribution company, we send it to every single, um, you know, mom and pop shop across yeah. the country and be like, yo, this is how you set up the Facebook page. And they had fucking Metallica playing, you know, like, <laughs> just like this should be streamed, guys. You should record this. Like, don't just fucking keep it to yourself. Um, but we had to kind of explain all that shit to them. So, ten years ago, to compare to where it is now, and I don't fucking know. Like, with everything else going on, and these businesses not being like essential or whatever, and they're not able to fucking actually survive, I don't know if what the fuck's gonna happen. That's gonna be nuts. Um, I, I to sort that you're saying record store day record stores in general like just yeah. live concerts everything is fucking weird yeah the
1: entire entertainment industry is, is totally crazy right now <laughs> totally up in the air and,
0: yeah and they, there's no no fucking way to you know make it yeah. better other than just keep going but like it's gonna be a if really if
1: is there then people always find the way of some sort of creative business plan people will People will
0: figure it out. The cockroaches always fucking live, bro.
1: Yeah, life finds a way. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> but It's it's definitely scary. It's good to hear that you're doing all right and you're you're continuing on. Um, I I want to thank you. I'm gonna wrap this up right now. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for jumping on twice. Uh, this has been very cool. Uh, even the second time around. I'm sorry that the first time it sounded a little uh. Yeah, silent. We were, able, we
1: were able to condense it a little bit this time, so maybe someone could actually listen to the whole thing. Oh, no, so. dude, I'll keep
0: on going. I mean, like I, I like talking to you, but I just wanted to put a little cherry on top right now, so it seemed like that's where we should shop. Yeah. But, yeah, we knew what the fuck we were doing this time. <laughs> Alright, thanks for us for jumping on uh, twice. This was really... to try to figure out how to do. Um, Thank you, you made it this far.